Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Rich Terring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Esteper. Rahel Esteper, uh, you are listening to the free audio. It's nice, isn't it? It still goes up for free. Uh, but if you want to help support this venture and lead on to even more exciting projects, you can buy a video of this podcast. And the whole lot in the series is £3.50 per show, or £15 for at least seven videos, which is very good value. So if you feel you can support that, that would be lovely. Go to gofasterstripe.com and click on the podcast and you'll be able to purchase a season pass or each episode individually. Uh, but you don't have to buy anything if you don't want to. It would just help us carry on. There's a lot of men involved in this now. They've got children to feed. Anyway, on with the festivities. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has been making crystal meth in a pumpkin, uh, the very special ingredient. It's Richard Herring! It's not blue, I'll tell you that. It's not blue. It's creamy. So, um, <laughs> welcome to re- another series. It's series four of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, a Hellestopper. And uh, we're here at the Leicester Square Theatre. It's uh, kind of, there's a few people in, there's a few empty seats at the back there. We've got uh, some of the usual suspects, nuclear physicists. Thomas Horton, uh, the butlers are here. Just a couple of new, new guy. What's going on with you? All good looking. What's, what's your name? James. What do, you, what do you do, James? Are you a male model? Just, just when you come and sit in this room, just as a normal looking man, suddenly you just look gorgeous. You just look gorgeous. Look at that guy behind you. Ah! Look how good looking he is compared if you sit with a ah! ah! Uh, no, I mean, even you look quite good compared to this row of freaks. Always hang around. That's always just, if you're not that good looking, just find three blokes worse looking than you. That is my... So what, what do you do for a living? You're a postman. Oh, yeah. How's it going with all the, the sell-off of the... Are you going to get some free shares? Yeah? What are you going to do with the shares? Are you going to sell them and just take the money? Or are you going to hold on to them? Oh, can you not? So you're going to hold on to them for two years. 
Could you tell the people of the post office that... To, I'm, I'm worried about the share deal, because the bloke who posts, marked the post in my street doesn't know what numbers are. <laughs> <laughs> That's what worries me. I get, I get mail for the people who live next door, two, do, two, two, two doors along. Could you have a word with him? You know where I, you know where I live. Uh, so, <laughs> you all do. Uh, anyway, um, we're here. I've had, uh, it's been, we've had a little bit of time, haven't we, since we were last here, so a few things have happened. I was, uh, I was in Armenia uh, last week with uh, David Badil. So my dad calls him David Baddy, also that. We had to, we're doing a show, it's kind of an odd show for Dave, where we had to spend £8,000 in a 24-hour period. Um, it's kind of an odd job to get in Armenia. Uh, it was quite good fun. We tried to redistribute it to, to the local people, but they didn't really charge very much money for anything, so it was hard to get rid of stuff. So we ended up staying in the presidential suite in a hotel for four hours. That's all we could afford, actually, for four hours, which is kind of amazing. And we only found out later that President Assad of Syria had once stayed in the, in the same suite, which I think would cast a different light over our antics. We were sort of jumping around on the bed with money all over the bed. I, th- I wanted to do I said, that'd be really fun, Dave. We just got the money and just threw it on a bed and jumped around it. And David Bedell said, can we get some girls to join us? I said, no, that will not. That won't be funny, David. That will be... It'll only be funny if it's you and me. So we were rolling around. We tried to ring uh, room service at this hotel. It's terrible being rich. I've never been rich. Uh, and uh, I've never been able to do this. You get treated really badly. We're in the presidential suite of a hotel. We rang down to get some champagne and some caviar. Uh, and the bloke on the room service went, we going, can we have some caviar? And so, can we, can, someone, can we get two lots of caviar? Yeah. And a bottle of champagne. And then I said, well, I was trying to spend as much money as possible, so I said, can we get some cigarettes? And he said, can we get some Dunhill cigarettes? And he went, wow, what colour? So I, don't, I don't know. But he was really rude to us. It was fantastic. I've never been treated so bad. Then he rang up about five minutes later and said, we don't have any caviar. Uh, so <laughs> we were screwed. So that was, that was worth uh, doing. And uh, the director of that programme had a very odd phobia, uh, which I've never come across, which I would say working in the entertainment industry would be an odd thing. She was scared of... Uh, she had a phobia and fainted, passed out, if she saw uh, anything that was oversized on what you would expect it to be. <laughs> So basically any statue, yeah. Uh, I said, I better not get my cock out. Because uh, I didn't, because that would have been uh, sexual harassment. Uh, so, uh, but if like any uh, statue or any, like, mainly cartoon, if you, she once saw Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble in T- Tottenham Court Road, obviously people dressed up in big costumes and then fainted. And then, concerned, Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble came up to her. And then she fainted again, because... They came to that's kind of an odd. That, you would think that would be a handicap in, uh, in working in show business. And there were lots of statues around. It was quite good fun, sort of. Lead. It was like being in the in nightmare, trying to lead her around. <laughs> Go, watch out! Don't look left now. The gigantic blue bird. Uh, so, um, and uh, I've just been at the Amalfi Coast as well. I've been tra- I'm an internet, international jet setter with my wife. Uh, uh, and the, the Amalfi Coast uh, taught me that if life gives you lemons, uh, what you do is you make a sickly sweet liqueur out of them <laughs> that you then sell to tourists, uh, who, knowing that when they get home, uh, they will, uh, no, it will, it will taste horrible because they're no longer in the sunshine and it will taste of nothing but lost happiness. <laughs> That's what you do if life gives you lemons uh, and uh, my favourite thing that happened uh, at the Amalfi Coast though uh, we saw lots of amazing things we went to Herculaneum and Pompeii but on the way back from Herculaneum um, the train was just pulling out of the station and in the sidings of the railway in the middle of the day so it was 3.30 I saw a grey haired man being vigorously blown by a brown haired woman and I just in the just by the side of the railway it was a fucking amazing thing <laughs> and it was so hot I mean it was blindingly hot but I mean I don't know if that's what they thought is so hot that no one will be able to see us <laughs> but uh, it was just completely in the open I mean they were hiding from anyone in the town but anyone who went past in a train uh, could see them he did have his, uh, his back to the tracks the man you know he's an exhibitionist but there's no need to show off about it is there uh, there's a possibility she was just trying to loosen his belt I suppose but if she was doing that she was doing it incredibly vigorously and I would say using the wrong part of her anatomy me to, to do it but uh, you know I, I, made, I made a judgement I guessed that that was a prostitute and an old man but they may have, may have been a kind of 
made the December love affair going on there. They just couldn't hold on themselves anymore. We can't make a judgment. I found it weirdly life-affirming seeing this. It was so, you know, it was the middle of the afternoon. Most old men would be having a siesta. This guy was grasping the moment. <laughs> and she was grasping something as well. And... Uh, <laughs> and I found that quite life-affirming, quite hopeful. And these people live in the shadow of Mount Vesuvius. It could explode at any moment, destroy everything. They're just every second they have to make the most of. And they say fight fire with fire. Uh, so maybe you fight eruptions with loads and loads of small eruptions. And that might... But I was getting... If they did, if they did... Uh... If they did, uh, the, if the volcano did go off at that point, they were coated as the people of Pompeii were and Herculaneum. I'd love to be an archaeologist digging that up after us, filling, <laughs> filling up that gap with plaster of Paris, discovering what they were up to. That's, that's the way to live, I tell you. So look, we've, uh, we've had a lot of fun. <laughs> had a lot of fun here doing adverts. Oh, I'll put that out of the way. Oh, no, it's up there. Uh, and um, and uh, James is here. He's a postman. Very good looking postman. Are you, are you with James? Yeah. She's your wife. Yeah, he's done well for the postcard postman. Get free stamps, don't you, as well? And a gorgeous husband. What do you, what's your name? Karen. Karen. And what do, you, what do you do, Karen? You're a musician. Why are you going out with a postman? You could be with a, like a stand up comedian or something cool. Uh, there's still time. There's my, that's my wife there. Uh, so, uh, hello. Wave at the people at home. It's the. <laughs> I'm going to carry on with the show. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm in trouble already. I'm in trouble, Karen, uh, with my wife. It's the, the, the series four has only just begun. Uh, so, uh, my first guest is waking, waiting behind the curtain. She is probably best known for her appearance on Never Mind the Full Stops, the BBC Four panel show about punctuation. <laughs> Will you please welcome Shappy Sandy, ladies and gentlemen? This is it. There she is. Hello. Very good. Sit down. You can take your, you can take your uh, microphone out of there, or you can leave it in, whatever you like. I t- I'll take it out. Let's make sure we move the, move Yeah, move it out of the way Hello. so everyone can see. There's nothing between us now. There's That's two men right in the corner there. Like the, like, you're like the 12 men in the Muppet show. There. <laughs> I feel scared I've got my back too. Sorry. We can see them there. Look, this is the beauty of this. I can film them. It doesn't there. They're a bit too far away to see. So they do look like the Muppets. Uh, do you remember much about uh, Never Mind the, the Full Stops? <laughs> I, I got this incredible fondness for it when you... Um, Did you? When you mentioned it. Because at first I thought you were going to say, uh, Never Mind the Buzzcocks. Yeah. And I, and I got that comedian sort of slight, sort of bitter... No, actually I've never been booked for that one. <laughs> um, but Never Mind the Full Stops. I thought, oh yes, of course, charming programme. That was 379 years ago I did that. It was, well, I did it as well, I have to say. I did, I, I did uh, an episode of it, not the same one as you. No, I uh, it's was Julie, the... It was hosted by Julian Fellows, who well, there's lots of flies uh, in today, which is very exciting for Sorry. the insect based viewers. We, there's a lot of viewers <laughs> aroused by flies. Um, the ties are gnats chuff. So, um, <laughs> little back ref, 20 years there. Uh, but uh, Julian Fellows, who went on to write Downton Abbey, was the host. I'm not just going to talk about it, never mind the full stops. <laughs> oh, it's going to well, be I the first 20, 20, 25 gonna... minutes. Uh, he, wrote, he, he wrote Downton Abbey, so he doesn't do Never Mind the Full Stops anymore. It was such a cunty program. After I've never, I've never been. It was like it was genuinely like um, when I did it. Uh, Vanessa Feltz was one of the guests, and she was really swatty. And I think they'd had we'd had all the questions in advance, but I hadn't read. I was it a Radio Four show? No, it was a BBC TV program. It was BBC like BBC Four. Four or something like that. When BBC Four was first invented, and yeah. then it was all exciting because it was about literature and punctuation. Yeah. But it was so specific. And I know a bit about punctuation and grammar, and I found it much too difficult. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to do an Obama in a minute and get that. Oh. So many flies around your oh, I hit it the third time. It's going to give uh, but, you some uh, money then. He was so pompous, Junior Fellows, and I didn't like him at all. I'd met him oh. a week before and liked him, and then I saw him again, and he was really horrible. Right. And at the end, as we were doing the retakes, he, I did something wrong. He went, Oh dear, how embarrassing. And I said, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that they wouldn't use that. But 
Well, he, um, yeah, when I, when, I, when I think back upon my career, Richard, there's so many people I wish I'd told to fuck off. Yeah. But, but just didn't have the bollocks to. And I, and I wish I could go back now. And so I'm delighted that I can come here on your podcast and say, Andrew Green of Migration Watch, fuck right <laughs> off. Fuck all the way off. My Migration Watch, what's yeah, that? Is that right. like a human migration or animal migration? Is it the UKIP program? Well, you know, he would regard as animal migration <laughs> I am measuring no he was frightfully portion ever such a nice man and it was my first probably one of my first ever TV things um, and it was about going on a, a serious debate programme talking about immigration right. because for about 3,000 years the only things I was ever asked to do ever was something to do with immigration or from being Iranian and I've been Iranian for ages <laughs> um, but I am starting to get booked for sort of non-Iranian stuff which is really exciting um, for me and um, put away all the Iranian pancake making stuff we've got backstage oh have you hired yeah, so I haven't done really much research there pancake the making pan- stuff they're mainly make pancakes that's what they mainly do sorry carry on I was expecting a whirling dervish <laughs> that's not an exclusively Iranian thing um, yeah and I, I had this big bag and as we walked into the studio Clive Anderson was presenting it right. was it Clive Anderson or the other one anyway a Clive and uh, Mr Migration Watch went that bag's very big is that where you keep your bomb I know I know and then do you know the worst thing is when when someone's rude to you like that and and, uh, insulting like that it it kind of pulls the rug out from under your feet so I didn't deal with it you're not expecting people to be cunty so I went like this oh god grow up (laughs) that was my comeback right if that had been Joe Brand she would have had him sacked she would have got in the papers with that shit oh and then grew up like this and then I was on this um, a sitcom pilot sorry I'm venting is this alright no it's good I like it I was on this um, it started well I was on this uh, sitcom pilot uh, and it went to, to series, but they cut my character out. Um, I was playing... Anyway, never mind. But <laughs> the son... I think it was the son of the casting director. was a seven-year-old boy. And we're all chatting at lunchtime. And this seven-year-old boy said to me, Oh, shut up! And I felt so sorry for him. Because he said it right in front of his father, the casting director. And I thought, oh, poor kid's going to get really told off, Right? And his dad said, oh, well, I think Shafi's used to men talking to her like that where she's from. <laughs> Richard, I didn't tell him to fuck off. Tell him to fuck I off. I didn't hit the kid. Tell the I kid to fuck off first. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Mr. Casting Director Man, I remember your name. I'm not saying it out loud, but seriously, fuck right off. Can we start now? We can, yeah. That's good. That's the... That was the Julian fellow. I, I, I looked at the IM. You're on the IMDb thing for Never Mind the Full Stops, and I am not, which makes me wonder whether they didn't even show my episode. Uh, so maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe makes me wonder what IMBD is. Uh, it's the. Uh, it's uh, very useful for this show. It's just ah. it just lists all the TV shows and films okay. that anyone's ever like been in. It, okay. That's where I do my research for that bit. There's a little behind the scenes in the director's studio. With that, well, where I get my first joke from is going through IMDb.com and looking for the most obscure things. You didn't have much. There was okay. a few things. I didn't see Migration Watch. <laughs> Some things they don't put on there. Um, I did a show called uh, Best Man's Speech for ITV2, which I've never seen, which uh, was called to mind a little bit when I was doing this show last week in Armenia because it's a similarly kind of weird concept. Uh, it's not even listed on IMDb at all, that TV programme. So well, when you say you never saw it, was it something you did? Because I, sometimes I do some things yeah. for TV, and I just walk away from it. Yes, I did that. I don't look back, I just walk away. Did anyone see Best Man's Speech, the ITV2, or might be an ITV3 programme? And anyone see it? No one saw it, it's wonderful. I got paid more for two days' work than I've ever been paid for anything before, and nobody saw it. It was the perfect Those gamble. are the best jobs. <laughs> Those are the best. It was, jobs, well, it was. It sounded like quite a good. Pr- I don't want to just talk about my own terrible TV career, but <laughs> we started doing. It was a. It was sound like a good premise in which it was saying, you know, we've got some best men, and you know, we're going to get some comedians to come in and to, coach, and, to them. coach them to do their wedding speeches. So, well, that might be quite interesting, and you can have an idea, you know, help them through that, and that might be quite a useful program for other people because people often email me and ask me for jokes and stuff for best man speeches. Uh, but then they just kind of did, made us do really stupid things. Like the, f- the first day, the guy had to pretend he'd broken his arms and and on. The 
by the Thames and had to stop people and ask him to help him scratch his nose or something. You go, not really going to mm. help that much. This is meant to give him confidence. Uh, and, then, and then we just went to an old people's home and they did some jokes to old people for no real reason. Oh, that's it always was, upsetting. It was just bad. It's like doing it gigs in bad. corridors, isn't it? Yeah. It's like just stand there. I've done, you know when, um, when TV first came out and uh, they would get comics who, who were kind of starting out and they'd excite you by, and then you're, by saying, oh, this thing's going to be on TV. And your agent would be like, yes, go out, do anything, do anything. And I remember going around Ealing Broadway Shopping Centre and going up to people in cafes and doing my routine mm-hmm. and thinking this is really going to progress my career. And I spent all day doing this in the cafe, in the library. And then I just remember walking along the South Bank and had this hidden camera, like miles away, and I had to do my set. And somewhere in the world is this thing of me walking along, <laughs> talking to myself and... People are looking at that. Let's hope so. Never. <laughs> if no one was actually filming it, that's that's why. <laughs> when I got because this this program I did last week was so weird. The premise is such an odd premise, and you kind of think, is that for real? And then I got to the airport at like five o'clock in the morning on a Monday, uh, and I looked for the flight on the on the things on the displays, and it wasn't there, which is never. Exp- so I thought, am I in the wrong airport? Am I in the wrong terminal? Uh, is this just a trick? Is the programme actually let's make com- greedy comedians look like idiots by making them get up really early and go, no, there wasn't a show. Oh, well, <laughs> did you get... See, the, thing, the things that I'm... The horrors that I'm talking about wasn't even paid for. No. It was back when TV was first invented and they'd go, do this thing for TV for free and you'd go, OK, I'll walk around and do some gigs, gags to some mud. We have done some good stuff as well. Well, you have, but I, I haven't. In fact, um, <laughs> you've done like Live at the Apollo, which is, you know, similar, to, very similar to doing this show. Uh, a, lot, a lot of comedians see it as the same thing. And uh, uh, Ben Evans, who uh, asked the question to Stephen Fry that made Stephen Fry crack open like a... Uh, like a walnut kind of, at Christmas. Kind of, yeah, some kind of a walnut that tried to kill itself the previous Christmas. Yes, I read uh, about this. Beautiful. Uh, very like that. Um, uh, he has got some questions for you, and the, one of them refers to Live at the Apollo. On Live at the Apollo... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry, before we talk. Yeah. There's one Live at the Apollo I did that I really like, and right. two that I cringe at. Okay, I think and, this is more general. Okay, oh, sorry. So I don't think he's going to... I, I, I didn't need to share that, up. then. On Live at the Apollo, one of your performances was pathetic. <laughs> Even as an 11-year-old Welsh boy, I found it, I found it embarrassing. Well, he's, got, he's grown up a little bit and become harsh. He's, got, he's into his teenagers. He's a little Welsh boy. Should I do it in a Welsh accent? Is he uh, really written that? Live at the Apollo. <laughs> what does it look like? Well, this is very good. This is uh, a very specific card. You're accent. a voice com- comedian am, yeah. like me. Yeah. What does it feel like when you're standing behind the massive sign with Live at the Apollo written on it? It feels like my life is going to be shorter than it was meant to be without that. (laughs) It is the most nerve-wracking thing ever. The first one that I did, um, I'm really happy with. um, And part of the reason I feel that I gave such a good performance is that just before I was about to go on, I went for a last-minute gloss check in my dressing room, and there was a man peeing in my sink. (laughs) He was peeing in my sink. And um, I don't know who he was. I think he was a ghost. <laughs> and then um, he came out, and, and Joe Brown was in the thing next door. And I was like, oh, there's a man weeing. And she goes, oh, they'd never do that if it was a blooming male comedian's dressing room, which I agreed with. And then, um, and then so it was kind of, like, quite exciting. And um, What, the, was, we, the weeing? What, seeing the man well, weeing? Well, it was, you know, sometimes you need something to jolt you out of yeah. your nerves and need to stick your face in some fire. Yeah. And um, then... Is then, a man weeing that? Is that seeing a man wee? For you, that is. It's like my face in fire. He's got some people, some people take. <laughs> some people take coke. You just say, can I have a weeing man? I need a weeing my, man everywhere I go to to just get rid of my who nerves. Was this? Who do not? You don't really make complain very much about stuff. as what I'm gleaning already. It's, I would have gone to the director of that show and said, "There's a man or a producer," and said, "There's a man weeing in my dressing room." I don't really appreciate that so much. I, I kind of did. I, I did, but, it, but yeah. it is a... Yeah, I think there's a life skill I haven't learnt, which is complaining. And presumably there was a toilet in your dressing room as well. Do you know what there was? Yeah. But I think so, it's, so it's very hard. But you know, you know when you're drunk, <laughs> yeah. there's a sweet satisfaction in weeing somewhere you're not meant to oh, wee. Yeah, yeah. It's almost the point of being drunk sometimes. <laughs> um, 
was this man drunk? Why was there a drunk man backstage? <laughs> we got no drunk men backstage here. Michael McIntyre's letting us down. He was, um, he was a drunk man, yeah. No. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, it's all behind us now. That was the, now Ben Evans is going to hear that and hear all about him with men weeing and stuff. That was an inappropriate answer for an 11-year-old boy. The third line at the Apollo I did, I was in a dressing room with... Um, <laughs> Sarah Millican oh, yes. getting our makeup done, and I because I I was always that girl at school that didn't know what lesson she was meant to be in. My best mate Penny would tell me everything, even tonight, Richard. I thought we were, we were finishing at eight. I know you did, yeah. And and I was like, oh right, okay. So I'd sort of slightly change my plans because I never know what's going on. I turn up to things. And um, I said, how, how long are we doing? And she said, well, I'm doing 40. I didn't realise she was in a different recording to me and she was comparing, so she was doing 40 minutes. I was like, oh, right, shit, 40? I thought we were only doing 20 minutes. And so, like, with five minutes before I went on stage, I started cobbling together these jokes and writing these brand-new jokes. And I went out on Live at the Apollo and I was padding out... And, and like 20 minutes went, oh, fuck, I've got another 20 minutes. I haven't got another 20 minutes I haven't done on TV. And then I came off, and, and as you'll know, it's a crime to overrun on a yeah. TV show. It's an absolute crime. And everyone said, you know, you did double your time. And it was awful because it wasn't like I was smashing it doing double my time. I was kind of dying on my ass. I'll be honest with you. And uh, that, that was, um, I, I did spend a, about a week in a field in Halifax getting over that gig. Well, is that what you do when you've had a bad gig? I you do. Go to I like to Halifax. sit... I, I like to go to Yorkshire when, yeah. I'm, when I'm really upset about things and I like to sit in fields, preferably near some kind of rusty tractor to make me feel old-fashioned and, and I sit and think and I phone my agent crying. Yeah. There's nothing like going to Halifax to make you realise how lucky you are in your own life. <laughs> That's what I've, what I've discovered. My brother was born in Halifax so I'm kind of allowed to do that. He supports Halifax Town. Imagine how embarrassing that is. Uh, Where so, were you born? I was born near York. And I, look, how, I, look how smug you I are support, about that. Yeah, York, I support York City, who are much better than Halifax Town. They beat uh, Portsmouth 4-2 this weekend. So how, just, how come you're in different... Oh, God, that's a stupid question. I was going to say, how come you're born in different places, like you're twins? <laughs> <laughs> if you were twins, that would be of note. But actually, I mean, it's not that, moved. you know, it's Halifax and York as well. It's not like <laughs> beyond... <laughs> how did you put your family move so far in six years? <laughs> Says the woman who's come from Iran. Uh, so um, Iran uh, again. My dad was uh, my dad was a teacher. And, you know, he moved in around. Iran. In, no, in in Yorkshire. Oh, right. If he'd been in Iran, that would have really been impressive. That he'd, but he, you have to go back to Yorkshire to have your children like a salmon, <laughs> like a headmasterly salmon spawning all over the place. So. Um, uh, last time I talked to you, in, I've just listened back to the Edinburgh Fringe podcast we did together, which uh, was about halfway through the first series of the Edinburgh Fringe podcast, and I couldn't really remember much about it, and we were both, uh, we were both in a similar... I think you'd had two hours sleep and had some vodka, and I'd just been doing podcasts for... Uh, so we were both quite indiscreet. We were very, uh, yeah, that, that was one of those things I just walked away from, going, I'll just leave that there. It was good. It was, it was funny. I was, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm running a half marathon next weekend, and so I was listening to it while I was running a half marathon. Oh, which one? Training for my half marathon. The Royal Park's half marathon. I'm doing that. Cool. See you there. See you right. there. I don't think you will see me there, because you're quite fit, aren't you? Well, I had a baby three and a half oh, months ago, so, so I'll be walking a bit of it. So I should be able to take you on. Uh, but I was laughing out loud, and my wife was saying it was running with me. It's quite rude of me to be listening to a podcast. Uh, I was saying, you look mad laughing. You're laughing too loudly at that. And I said, well, imagine if people knew I was just laughing at myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I had... I never listen back to these things, usually, and, I, and, uh, and so I had forgotten about it. Uh, the thing that made me laugh was me saying that Julius Wallace smelled of my spunk. Uh, it's, worth, it's worth listening to. In context, it made sense. In context... We were both very indiscreet, but you were talking about then too. I'm shyer uh, about <laughs> talking about this in front of your lovely wife yeah. than you are. I know she doesn't. She's used to it. Is that all right? So she's still laughing. It's okay. Uh, when we get home, it'll be a different story. Yeah. <laughs> she beats me. How do you? <laughs> she beats me. How do you know Julius Wahala? I went out with Julius. I know you did. <laughs> I'm just making you. And she say was in uh, Time, Gentleman, Please, my uh, sitcom I wrote. Oh, that's nice. Well, I think. I was going out with her before she was in it. Yes, she was, yeah. Uh, so I, I, just, father, I just put my girlfriend... Here's our link. Her yeah. father was, uh, played my f- uh, grandfather in my um, Little Cracker on Sky. Oh, yes, I was going to ask this. I haven't seen your Little Cracker. 
Uh, it's, but, a, it's a beauty. Uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Uh, but it sounded good. You got uh, Todd Carty was in it from Grange Hill. Yeah. So it was, was it was it was he playing Tucker Jenkins or was he, he playing? He was playing. Uh, well, he wasn't really in it till the very end. There was like okay. a, just a little montage. Have I ruined a... it? Is, this, is it me like telling people what happens at the end of Breaking Bad? Which is uh, you won't believe what happens. I think I'm the only person in the world that hasn't seen Breaking Bad. I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to show people your face as. You find out if I press the wrong one. I think it's right. I wouldn't say. <laughs> they take there's drugs in it. There's some drugs in it. Some, they've got drugs. You know the meth lab. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that would be just because I saw it this morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> Sorry, yes, you're so your your little cracker. Your little cracker. Let's get back to your little cracker. Um, yeah, Tucker Jenkins, that, that this, this kid uh, who's about, I think, well, he's about 18, but who's made to look like a, a young Tucker Jenkins. Right. And the, it was about me as a little kid having a massive crush on Tucker Jenkins. We all did. And telling all my friends that I knew him and I didn't know him and he came <laughs> to our school and everyone said, Oi, she reckons that um, you know her and he pretended to know me. Ah. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful moment that I made up, sadly. But oh. um, and the real Todd Carter was at the end of it, and with photos of me like we'd got married. <laughs> and I always I was always madly in love with Todd Carter um, growing up, and it was a dream to meet him. And they even they, they did the program so. Perfectly. He's gone off the boil a bit though, hasn't he? Let's face it. He's a sweet. He's very funny. Okay. He's very funny, and uh, they even got a white Ford Cortina because that's the car that we had when we were kids. And me and Todd were sat in it to, to film a bit, and then something went wrong with the camera, and we were, we were in this car for 45 minutes. And with a childhood crush, like, five minutes is fun and jolly, but 45 minutes with this actor's getting really fucked off, that everyone's like... No, he was, he was being very sweet, but it was very awkward. And uh, he's lovely, he's still lovely. Oh. He'll always be lovely. He'll always, always be Tucker. They're too young, a lot of these people. I just realised that Jenkins you haven't got a clue what I'm talking you know, about. I'm just your you know grandmother at Christmas going, oh, he was a lovely fella. Do you know Tucker Jenkins, James? Yeah, flipping it, Tucker. How do you know? How old are you, James? Wow, you look like 13 or something. I thought that was your mum. Uh, so, I'm joking. We've already established you're his wife. Much older wife. So, um... <laughs> it's, I've He's just jealous because he wants to have sex with your husband. It is. I'm going to have sex with him, am I? Cool. <laughs> Very good. So, you were... I saw... Well, you were talking about this in, in our last podcast. That's why I brought it up. But you were talking about your... You had a rock star boyfriend who you talked about in your... <laughs> In yeah. your last show, your very good show, uh, the, called um, it is called Dirty Looks and Hopscotch. Dirty Looks and Hopscotch. I knew it had hopscotch in it, uh, but it was very, very. It was a brilliant show. It's very it open was, and candid show, yeah. and you were very open and candid in the last podcast. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I think. I think in the uh, in the three and a half years that it took for me to get divorced. Yeah. I don't know if I was sort of o- o- overly candid because I needed to go through some stuff, or if it was the amount of alcohol I was drinking to see me through the court cases. I don't know, but I was quite Tracy Emin for about three and a half years. And the, um, the rock star was really candid. Like, he had no fourth wall at all, no brain-to-mouth filter. And he sort of made me really open. And he, he sort of made me see the world as he sees it, where it really doesn't matter how you are and how you act and what you say. And it was incredibly liberating. And I, to my kind of... I'm a bit sad that I've gone back a little bit into a world where I don't really talk openly about the first time I went down on a woman and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I'm uh, a bit disappointed. I was hoping that was, I was going to get on to that. <laughs> I was going to get on that and, and just film you very close up as you talk. <laughs> um, but because the, there was a bit that made me go, ah, oh, and, and quite cross with him in the podcast, because obviously there was a lot of positive things from this relationship, but he said that he'd shown his mates, you on Live at the Apollo, with the sound turned down, because oh, that was not important. Yeah. And then uh, all his friends had said... And then he told you that what his friends had said was that you had fat calves. Yeah. Which is big... no, what he a said horrible to me, thing to say. And it was yeah, backstage. Boom. Oh, that boom wasn't the half of it. Oh, heavens above. No, gosh, if that gets booed, the rest of it will make you throw fish at his face. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he. Uh, I, I was about to go on stage as well. And you know what it's like when you're about to go on stage. You need happy thoughts, Absolutely. you know. And and he said, oh, and, and I showed them, and they said. The rest of the band, they said, ain't you got big calves? But I'm looking at your calves now, and you're not skinny, skinny. <laughs> but you're normal. <laughs> and uh, and then I went, thank you very much. Good evening. I'm like, you've oh, got very thin calves. Oh, bless your heart. It's all the running that we do, it is. you and I, Richard. How, how's your training? Are you, have you been properly training <laughs> no. for the half marathon? I'm really in a lot of pain today. I ran, I ran, <laughs> I ran 10 miles yesterday. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah, but it hurts. I had to stop. Uh, I was going to do 11, but I had to stop at 10. But I think I'll be all right next week. Oh, you see, I'm really worried because I did a half marathon in Gen- before I had my kid and it was fine. I did it under two hours. But I haven't... Um, I had a C-section, right? right? So I know you're really into talking about birth and I pregnancy. Am, yeah. um, and the, well, basically, it's like having major abdominal surgery. Yes, you shouldn't be running a half marathon. I shouldn't marathon be running a half, half marathon. Half but I've sort of... Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I've committed to it now. I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Will you give me a piggyback if I'm struggling? <laughs> your intestines are coming out of your stomach oh god <laughs> I will do yeah I'm a bit do you know what okay I'm going to be honest you just said that you ran 10 miles yesterday yeah. and when you first said I'm doing a half marathon at the weekend I thought to myself oh well if Rich is going to do it then I'll be fine <laughs> I'm very fit. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I haven't done enough training, and, the, and I'm, I'm quite old. So yeah, well, I am. How, how this could be my last appearance. <laughs> this could be they just play this with sad music at the end. Oh. Going, and Richard Herring died. Sponsor him at You Virgin Money. Because like when you die doing it, you, you do raise like a million pounds, don't you? So that's the, who, come, who look you, on the bright side. Who are you running for? Who's I'm running for Scope. Lovely. Yeah. Who are you running for? You're doing it for, you're just doing it for yourself. Bernardo's. Oh, Bernardo's, that's yes, nice. Yes, Bernardo's. Yeah. Lovely. There we are. That's all I had to say about that. Well, we'll sponsor us both, uh, especially if either of us are dead or have given ourselves some kind of injury by not training enough. I might prolapse. You might do. <laughs> so, God, that could happen. Um, <laughs> and do you know there's prolapse porn? It's hard. Sorry, is this too far? I didn't know. There's nothing's too far on this podcast. Because I, I will tell you that while while I was because I, I was single and pregnant, right? Yeah. And uh, and when you're don't tell me you did some prolapse porn. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> as long as you just found out you found there's some prolapse. I was single. I had a couple of weeks off. It was a really weird thing. Some weird thing happened to me. I got like c- completely addicted to watching porn. Yeah. I'd never ever watched it before. And uh, and when I was pregnant, I don't know, maybe it was a hormonal thing, but like once you stop, you're like, you're a star, you're like, oh my gosh, what else can I find? <laughs> and there's actual prolapse um, stuff. How did you find? How did you get? The, did, how did you? What was the journey that took you to prolapse? Porn? I think I might have thought because it was on oh, it was on a site called X Hamster. I, I was okay. like, wow, you could type in anything. So I was like typing things like bogeys. Yeah, this is be careful because this is what you know. A lot of celebrities have found that leads to some uh, terrible places. Oh, I was yeah. researching a book about no, I, no, about I, about I bo- stopped bogeys. at uh, prolapse. Oh prolapse. heavens, yes, yes. Um, yeah, edit that bit out. You yeah. know, you said there's bits shuffy that you could just tell me to <laughs> edit out. Going. This is not going to be there. Okay. <laughs> this uh, is gold. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be on the international news. But your audience is so squeamish when they I are. said prolapsing after, yeah, I wonder after why. pregnancy. I wonder what upset them about that. I wasn't even sure what a prolapse was until I, I saw the board. Right. I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was something like a slip disc. <laughs> oh dear Lord, help me stop talking. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. So um, I'm going to ask you an emergency question. That's a good time to ask an emergency question okay. to get out of uh, to get out. Of that. In fact, I like this is a new emergency get question out of this hole. based on <laughs> my direct. It's not really a hole, is it? It's uh, sort of something else. Uh, it's an inverted hole. Um, <laughs> Do you have any unusual phobias, like the lady who was scared of big statues? Um, That's good news. A new emergency question. What do you think? Yeah, just trying it out. See how it goes. No. No. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. No. I've always wanted to be one of these people who who are really interesting and have a phobia of like nails. Which kind of nails? Nails. Either. Either. Either, Either, Both. My best mate Penny, she oh, she's asked me never to say her name um, in public. <laughs> My best mate 
Genevieve. She um, is has a phobia of newspapers. Really? Anything a print um, newspapers. And when we were kids, I used to like roll up newspaper and chase her around with it. <laughs> and she once fainted. Uh, but no, that's a very real phobia. So yeah. I'm, I'm interesting by proxy. I don't really like polystyrene being rubbed together. I don't think it's quite a phobia, but it does no, annoy no me. No one likes that. Uh, and one of the other people, and there was a very small crew that we took to um, in here, but the, one of the cameramen was, had a phobia of people scrunching their feet up on carpets. Okay. And it made him sick. It made him vomit if that happened. <laughs> Weird. This all came out on the first night. I thought it was a risk telling me these things. I had to move places on the tube because someone was chewing their gum too loudly. You know, people yeah. would just sit there and, and they don't do it continue. They just go. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I can't. I can't even sit. I've dated people that were perfect for me in every other way, but then you have a meal with them and <laughs> can't have sex yeah. with that. It's like the the snotting back in the throat that, that happens a lot. The kind of when it's really viscous and they're kind of gargling in the back of their throat like a <laughs> snot cappuccino. That's that's not nice. I was on a tube the other day and there were two men who were like about fifty-five. They weren't kids and you know, they were playing on their phones. They were playing a game on their phone, like a driving game with the sound on. And I was sitting right next to this guy and I just kept on looking at him. And then I thought, shall I, shall I say something about this or if I say, is that what he's doing it for? So I say, you know. Why are you playing a fucking driving game? You're 55. And turn the fucking sound down. You're on the tube. Fucking it. Did didn't, you not say anything? Didn't say anything because I was scared you would sp- spike me in the face with a knitting needle. Ah. Uh, that was were my they, fear. Were they, uh, were they rough sorts? Or were they, they weren't. They weren't. Just, but, you know, you just sort of think, you just think, is it worth the risk? Everyone was looking at him going... But he's, there's obviously something a bit crazy about him if he's doing that. I think, don't you? There's something a bit odd about Yeah, him. I always say something. I, I'm, do you know, do you? I went... Um, I've recently moved back to my native Ealing, and everywhere I go, I see um, little landmarks of my pregnancy altercations. (laughs) (laughs) I had loads when I was pregnant, just like really, just any issue you have, you have to bring it up. Um, And I would have said something, or I would have started singing really loudly. (laughs) I've done that before to teenagers, just going, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me, although he's far away. And then um, I think, well, if you make me listen to your tinny, crappy music, you're going to have to listen to mine. Absolutely fair enough. I agree. Um, What is the closest you have ever come to physically actually dying in real life? Last week. Oh, my God. Yes, last week I was in um, uh, Kruger National Park in um, South Africa. Yeah. And I was tracking a rhino by foot. My feet, my yeah. own feet, yeah. and uh, I was holding the tracker's hand, and it was it was a real heart and mouth. <laughs> it was it was scarier than I thought. Live at the Apollo was scary, but being very close to a wild rhino that's staring right at you was absolutely petrifying in the most exhilarating way. I felt alive, and if you were the motherfucker who stole my phone in Marks and Spencers a few days ago with all of my safari photos, please give them back. Has there ever been a more middle-class statement than that? I'm very sorry to hear about your phone. That is a terrible thing. And you weren't backed up. No, I wasn't backed up. If anyone sees Shappy's phone, so it's got pictures of rhinoceroses. It's got rhino pictures, my son's sixth birthday pictures, a holiday in Cornwall, and a bloke from Leeds's cock. (laughs) (laughs) This bloke from Leeds. Not in one photo, though. I can't laugh too loudly here because one of these flies will go in my mouth. I feel very embarrassed about the flies. I do. I just, it's just just, that doesn't happen, does it, on Parkinson and Graham? Because he doesn't do one anymore. And Graham Norton and stuff, they don't have a fly. Two flies. It's like, but it's like a little ballet, a fly ballet is going on for people who like it. So for any insects watching, that will be what is interesting. Oh, look at the courtship of those two flies. And we're the, just in the background. Yeah. We're supporting artists. We're, kind like of, you know, us. We're, we're supporting everyone. I'll ask, what, what, what do I... I have to ask this. This is an emergency question that I have to ask. I'm not quite tired of it yet. We haven't got long left. Um, if you had to choose between having... Is that how it goes? Uh, it, would you prefer to have... I can't remember how to do it. If you had to choose between having a hand made out of ham... 
Uh, or it's fucking fly in my face. It does add a new uh, dimension to the question. Fuck off! Being attacked by a fly. It's, my, it's like my hand is made out of ham. visual element there, that's good. Anything you can do visual is good. If you had to choose between having a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispensed sun cream, which of those two things would you have? The hand will grow back if you eat it, but slowly. Uh, you can only get like maybe two bottles of sun cream a year out of your armpit. But you can only have one of those two things. You ask any, any it, questions you like. Will it grow back again ham or my flesh <laughs> good question uh, I didn't think there would be any new ground within this question but you have found it it would grow back as ham it would always be ham from there on once you made that you could not go back to non ham ham oh no I'd have to have the, the dispenser yeah. sun cream dispenser yeah. if I don't is it like breast milk like if I don't use it it will dry up <laughs> Is that what happens? It just stops going. It doesn't literally just become desiccated. They don't go powdered. Like, oh, stop it. Like talcum powder come up. Quite useful. Would you rather have a hand made out of ham, an armpit that dispenses sun cream, or a tit that dispenses talcum powder? Unlimited. Would be unlimited talcum powder. I I like talcum powder tit. It would be a surprise, wouldn't it? When you stripped off. I'm too, post- <laughs> I'm too postnatal for this. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll go for, we'll go for um, talc tip. That is, the new que- <laughs> that is the new question. Don't listen to him. Uh, <laughs> um, so we're, here we are in season four of uh, Rahul Estepa. <laughs> well done. Um, you did your first Edinburgh show you did with Russell Brand, previous guest on Rahul Estepa. Yes, I did. Yeah, how was that? Were you back in 2000 or 1999 or 2000? I think it was 2001 or something. 2001, I think it was 2001. 2001 or two, yeah, really early on. In a triple hander. In a triple hander, me, Russell Brand and Mark Felgate. And, um, and it, he rang me up and he goes, oh, Shari, you want to like, do this show? And he sorted everything out. And I had no idea. I was so naive. I'm very naive about certain things. Yes. I, I used to be very naive. And then he said, uh, oh, do you want to go for a drink? And I was like, yeah, I'll go for a drink. And he had no money, so I bought him a Bacardi and Coke that I'm, you know, will remember forever. <laughs> and, uh, and he went, so, Shappy, are you, uh, are you putting yourself about a bit this festival? <laughs> that, and right. And then I went, well, now, now you know what he means by that. Now that we know Russell, we know <laughs> what he means. And I said, well, um, I've invited a few agents to come and see me, and I'm doing a few extra shows. But other than that, really, it's just our show and just having fun and seeing what the festival's like and seeing lots of theatre. And then he just looked at me like, you are so not worth fucking. You will never shut up. So um, I was the only woman in Edinburgh that year that didn't have sex with Russell. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Imagine if you'd put him off women. Imagine if that had been the moment. I'm going to have to go to men. Uh, could have could have been Why amazing. Why would he have done that? Now, I can understand that comment, com- comment, comment. Yes. If he was now gay. Yeah, but he isn't. But so he's he not. Because no, so you didn't I... imagine that he did. That's what I said. That's right. It didn't, it didn't work. Let's just move on. <laughs> no, I'm just a bit sensitive about that because at university, I was madly in love with my friend and uh, came out of the closet shortly after university. And um, he went out with a girl called and I was so jealous and sad. And I went to a 40th birthday party last week where people from my university were there, the ones that I hadn't kept in touch with. And all the old dynamics were back. And I was having a fag outside, I don't even smoke. Um, and this <laughs> started going, oh, yes, you know, well, Shappy was with the... Well, you were madly in love with him, weren't you? When Shappy and I bonded, because then I went out with him, didn't I? Then I went out with him, and you were madly in love with him. And I was like, that's fucking painful memories, actually. <laughs> and then I said to my friend that I was with, it was like, you know, quite, you know, she's carrying a few extra pounds now. And I, I said to my friend, you know what, she hasn't let herself go. She was always like that. Um, and so that's just a horrible part of my nature that I've just told you. It is. Yes, that's it's a shame, really. Uh, I was. Can I change the names in, in the stories I tell? Yeah, you can, but all right, you know, but you have to do it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, 
It's you're almost just double on different. <laughs> Could you in, in a Mexican accent? Different voice. <laughs> <laughs> like Luigi I'll, I've got the... to ask you this question because uh, yes. Ben Evans will be furious I don't know if there's a hidden agenda behind this I don't, I don't think there is he's a very sweet uh, child do you know how to speak in Persian don't answer yet and if so what is I have an orange fingernail in Persian <laughs> Um, well, the language is Farsi okay. or Persian. Fucking hell, no, Ben. No, both is good. Both is good. We'll go with Persian. Okay. I have an orange fingernail. No, I have an orange fingernail. Okay, the answer is yes. Vamanya angushina khune naranji dara. Okay. I don't know why he wanted to know that. I don't know if, the, you know, it's sort of like an overtone of it spinning up someone's bum. Uh, I don't think he was thinking that. I think it was just a sort of surreal a bit of nonsense from an 11-year-old Welsh boy, but... At least you've answered this question. There we are. I'm glad, I'm glad to have I'm made glad. someone's dreams come true. Um, and so I also very much enjoyed your book, A Beginner's Guide to Acting English. I don't like the title. No. I, I love my book, but they made me have that title. Yes. I'm very upset about the title. I don't tell people about my book because I don't like saying the title. Beginner's Guide to Acting English. What a <laughs> dumb-ass title they forced me to have. Again, I didn't want to complain. I wanted to call it um, English People Smell of Milk. Yes. <laughs> we do. Apparently, we really do. Well, dairy, that's what the Chinese said. That's what I used to think when I was a kid. I was like, I want to be English, I want to smell of milk. But I didn't, I smelled of coriander and parsley. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we ate. Because at school, no one likes to talk about this, but at school in the 80s, everyone in London, um, Ealing, everybody smelt of, of what they ate at home. Mm-hmm. I don't know what some people were doing eating. Cocoa butter, but you know, uh, we all, we all, um, and there was, there was no shame in that. I don't mind smelling of coriander. No, I do mind smelling of milk, though. Oh, was it offensive? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very offended, but I do smell of milk. I've, no, I've never noticed it until uh, I, I did have that conversation with you before, and um, yeah, we do smell of milk. I've, sp- I've smelled myself a few times smelling of milk now. Oh, but I, I smell like of milk. milk now. Yeah, I mean, I was... right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dried up in it, talcum powder now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, when you were because Ben asked this question as well when you were a kid you had to you lived in Iran but you had to leave Iran because your dad was a satirist and he'd upset the Ayatollah he was a satirist yeah. satirist yeah the thing is to be fair it wasn't a hard thing to do you sort of cough in the wrong tone and they get a bee in their bonnet they do and they've got those big bonnets they've got as big well bonnets. so it's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you had quite enough that you were there was a fact there was a fatwa against your no there wasn't was not okay. no that's Wikipedia they, they won't take that down right um, there wasn't a fatwa because it wasn't from a religious point of view like my dad was never um, he was never religious folk were never after him for, right. for, for being blasphemous can I, can I just stress that repeatedly throughout this podcast yes. he has never said anything <laughs> bad about any religion he respects all religion uh, uh, oh god <laughs> honestly the fear once once someone tries to do like kill your family um, when you're 11 it never quite leaves you <laughs> that feeling of at any moment someone might put a bomb under your car never quite leaves you but that's the job of terrorists isn't it? It's it is. to inflict terror. It is. And we were terrified. Thanks for bringing it up. I'm sorry. Well, I was, when you were a kid, you had to look under. You were. You we were did Jack have under to look you, under the car for bombs. But you didn't not, know what what they looked like. <laughs> My dad, like you know, remember, like the only bomb we'd know if it was like very round with a big fuse with B O M B written on it. Other than that, my dad's not a mechanic. He's a poet. He's like, I don't know. I can. I just get in, turn on the ignition, close your eyes, see if it's. All right, and it, <laughs> and it was. Did he ever make you turn on the ignition? <laughs> Just get in there, Shafi. Um, no, of course not. Of course he wouldn't have done. Of course he wouldn't have done that. That would be awful. It's a fantastic book. Do read it if you get the chance. Oh yeah, the book's good. It is good. Yeah, I've just learned off the title. Yeah. Yeah, the actual book. Don't good. read the title. <laughs> But read everything else in it. Just close your eyes and read it, and and uh, yeah, read the acknowledgements. I especially like the acknowledgements of my book. Oh yes, just went on and on and on. They're about seventeen pages because I thought <laughs> this is my chance. Thank everyone for everything. I thank people that did nothing for my book. <laughs> anyway, Todd Carty. Todd Carty's there. Yeah, <laughs> he ghost wrote my book. <laughs> Good to see. Um, 
Right. Uh, Mike Stoner wants you to know that your name is an anagram of Posh Kids Piranha. Lovely. That's all, that's all he's got to say <laughs> about you. Uh, you've done a lot. I mean, you have done a wide variety of TV shows. I was watching you with Andrew Neil, who is a fucking prick. Is he? Don't you think so? You've talked to I don't. To like, I don't. I don't know. I think I try to see the good in everybody. <laughs> it was you, Andrew Neil, and Michael Portillo, and that, that sounded bloke. far more syrupy than I meant it to. <laughs> by the way, it's just I don't, I don't, I know you well enough. But I don't know you well enough to, to to share that sentiment. But Michael Portillo was quite unpleasant. I thought on that thing, he made some comment. I thought you were a com- you'd said something serious. And he went, "Oh, I'm waiting for the joke." I thought you were a comedian. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. he's he's actually um, quite all right to chat to off really? stage. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they've got, a, they've got a really, they've just got a talk at night, and they all, there's lots of wine drunk on yes. that show before, during, and before, and during. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Andrew Neil comes out and checks Twitter straight away, checks all his trolls. Um, yeah, it's a, I, the worst thing. It's called This Week, isn't it? This program. Uh, they always try to do a sort of amusing sketch at the top of the show. Yeah, I've done a few of those amusing really... sketches. Yeah, I mean they try and do a, they try and keep it light, don't they? What well, the, the person I objected to being on that was Alistair Campbell. It's incredible that this man has a television career. I mean, he's on more comedy panel shows than I am, <laughs> and I didn't even invade anyone. It, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's something I can't quite uh, get my head around. Um, that that he's out there and not, you know, in prison. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, uh, yes, you did, uh, you did, also did, uh, well, I quite like, done Question Time, Let's Dance. I did and, that twice. Yeah, question and, Time twice. And <gasps> so nerve-wracking. <laughs> I can't even, oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of an odd one when comedians go on it, though, sometimes. Is it? Well, I don't you think so? Well, yeah, I think. Were it you fairly can serious? Be. I didn't see them. I was quite serious, yeah. yeah. But the, the first time I went on, it was great because I hadn't done any telly really, and so and, the, and Twitter didn't exist. But the second one, it did exist, and I had done a bit more telly, and it just felt a little bit like like I'm out there with my opinions. And you should, And the thing is about Question Time is the people that are really used to doing it, they will say any old shit, and they know the rhythm to speak in to get that applause at the end. I eat fish. Everyone starts clapping, right? Thank you. And I, I, I wasn't, I'm not used to doing that, so I would sort of be, start quite earnest and then realise that I was talking for far too long and someone had interrupted me, and I was like, oh, jeez, it's like being on Mock the Week. Um, but uh, that was the, the great time, seven years ago. Anyway, so, let's move on. Okay. Question time. Well, yes. we, can, we can move on. I'll ask we don't you, have to move on. I'll ask you a final question. Have you um, uh, ever... I saw uh, an old Italian man getting a blowjob in a railway sidings. What, have you ever seen any alfresco sex from other people? Apart from, you've seen a man wing in a, in a basin, I don't think that counts. It has to be with someone else. Um, have you ever seen an unusual sexual encounter? I haven't, no. Has anyone seen you in being involved in one? It seemed to be where we're going next. Where, where was this railway line? It was in... Uh... <laughs> was it Keith Allen? Uh, so, <laughs> could it have been... <laughs> no... No, 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 I haven't ever um, seen anyone have sex no. that in public ever. No. Oh, yes, I have. I went to a sex show in Amsterdam. Does that okay. count? Yeah, not really. No, it's no. not. It's not quite the same. It doesn't even count as real sex. It's so weird and sanitised. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly all set up. <laughs> there's a stage. There's lights. There's all sorts of shit. No, no it's no fun. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite count as the same. Uh, have you ever seen a Bigfoot? <laughs> Well, I'm a size seven and I'm five foot two. Yeah, Does that right. count? That doesn't count. Okay. Uh, have I ever seen a Bigfoot? No. No. Uh, we do, have you ever seen a ghost apart from the ghost of the Hammersmith Apollo? No. Visit? I really wanted to see a ghost. Yeah. When my grand died, I thought, oh, maybe, maybe this will be the time when I'll be proved wrong that there's a God and she'll come to me in ghost form. I don't think that did. proves there's a God. I think that proves there isn't a God and that all our souls are left wandering the earth in pain and... <laughs> There oh no! But no it heaven. shows that there's something, though. It shows that there's something supernatural. Yeah, just like people wandering the earth, going, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> "That's all there is." Then that'd be awful to know that. No, so but that, that she didn't. She was fine. No, she's she up did... in heaven. She's fine. Yeah, no, she's fine. She was 
proper gone. <laughs> she's, got, she's got her feet up. She's not going to come back in. No, but I am life. scared of ghosts, though, even oh, yeah. though I don't believe in them. I'm petrified of them. Petra, sometimes I have to leave my own house and sit in the garden in the daytime. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so scared of <laughs> ghosts that I started writing ghost stories, but I freaked myself out. So I've, I've got about um, five quarter-written ghost books, ghost stories... Which you're are. too scared. You're too scared I'm to too finish scared them. To finish off. them. They must be good, though. That's pretty good. I get good. the EBGBs. <laughs> yeah. You should put them out as the ghost stories that are too terrifying to finish, and that's sort of more scary than a finished one because it's like, fuck, something really bad happens now. I can't. The person in writing this is now dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I, 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 yeah. So, um, so I, I, I'm yet to see a ghost. Okay. That's. It's good to know when you are when you are a ghost, you'll see loads of ghosts. Or you know, you oh, might be a ghost be a already ghost. and not know you're a ghost, and all oh, the people you no. see are ghosts already. Oh, well, then that's fine then, because then the, the indiscreet stuff I've said now yeah. won't matter. It won't matter because it still goes out as a podcast. That's what happens at the end of Sixth Sense. Bang! <laughs> Ruined it for you. And at the end of Breaking Bad. Uh, so they were all ghosts. They were all ghosts. They was. They were all ghosts. <laughs> They were all going, all the dead people come back. They go, hey, come on in. You were dead all along. You died of cancer right at the beginning. Well, come on in. Hey. That is literally what happens. There's no point in watching it now. I've wrecked it for you. Should I just tell, can I just tell you one thing? It's like Christmas. It's like Christmas Eve. You're allowed to open one present. And the present is... This will be nothing for people. Everyone at home will have seen it already because it's coming out next week. Does Todd die? You don't want to know. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. Don't don't tell tell me anything. Todd's life or death is uh, crucial to the whole thing. You don't like him. Well, what do you think? Do you think Todd dies? What do you think? Do you think he will die? Do you think he will die or he won't die? Mm -hmm. Got a got a surprise coming up for you (laughs) when he doesn't die. Uh, So, (laughs) see, sorry. I can't believe after all that. Sorry, Shappy, to break. I know you've got to go. It's I awful. After I don't all watch that, this programme. Does Todd die? About. Don't tell me anything. Does Todd die? <laughs> what happens just at the right at the end? Just tell me that. <laughs> That's all I want to know. I've never seen Breaking Bad. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Good. Look, we, uh, you've got to go and do some stuff, so I can't, I can't hold uh, you up any longer. Oh. So it's, you're having fun. Been like, we could, I'm having we could, lots could, of fun. You can come back another time. I'll Will try you... and do it without flies next time. Yeah, I am embarrassed. I feel, I feel embarrassed that we're flies. Oh, I've had fun. I always like talking to you. I love talking to you. You're fantastic. Will you please give a massive round of applause to Shabby Kosandi, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you. Wonderful Shabby Kosandi. We can go. been listening to Rich Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Shabby Corsandi. The music was by Pest, thanks to Orange Mark at the British Comedy Guide, all the staff at the Leicester Square Theatre, and Chris Evans, not that one, or the one from the Avengers. It was produced by Dave Cribb and Ben Walker. This is a Fuzz, Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato production for the internet. Go and buy the video. Hooray! If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can, of course, go and buy the video if you want to give us something back or if you'd prefer to give us money in different ways. Here are a few ideas. Uh, If you want to come and see my new stand-up show, We're All Going to Die, that will be at the Leicester Square Theatre from the 8th to the 13th of October. Do come along. It's selling well at the weekend, so do book ahead if you want to come and see that. It's Tuesday to Sunday, though, so... You know, there's probably tickets for Tuesday. Uh, you, we have got more Rahalastapas. Rahalastapas coming up uh, on the 7th of October. My guest will be Miranda Hart. Uh, the 14th, it is Ross Noble and Dara Breen. And on the 24th of October, I think is the date, uh, we have Simon Pegg and maybe one other guest. Um, so buy tickets to come and see it live or go and buy the video pass. Uh, also at gofasterstripe.com, you can buy all my DVDs and some of my books. And I'm running a half marathon... Uh, at the weekend, uh, might have just run it, in fact, by the time you got this. Uh, if you want to sponsor me, all the money will go to Scope. Go to ukvirginmoneygiving.com slash Richard Herring, and you can pay a pound or more to sponsor me, and all that money will go to charity if you resent giving me any actual money. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Go and watch it online. Go on. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>